The second reading comes from John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, James, and thank you, Russell, for praying. Why don't we put our hands together for the little ones this morning? Well, I should introduce myself. I forgot to do that. My name's John. I'm the assistant minister at this church. Chris, our senior minister, he sends his greetings. He's on long service leave at the moment, perhaps in Europe, in Holland or Paris or somewhere fun. I'm not jealous in any way. Uh, but we're going to look at this passage that James just read out to us, John 3.16, but let's pray and then we'll have a look at this. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning where we can celebrate Christmas uh, with the whole family of God. We pray, Lord, that you might teach us the meaning of Christmas, your love, your gift, your sacrifice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, how, I wonder how many of us wish that we could have Christmas all year round. And just imagine that, Christmas all year round. It's the festive season, imagine that all year round. People tend to be happier and cheerier during this season. Just imagine that. Now there's this sense of joy and gladness in the air. Public holidays, presents, lunches and dinners. I mean, I want that all year round. And perhaps you would as well. But now I wonder how many of us wish that very same thing about the Christmas story. That all year round, all we talk about in church, with our family and friends, all that we are on about is the birth of Jesus. I wonder how many of us wish that way for us, that that's all we remember all year round. The stable, the manger, the shepherds, the star, the angels, the wise men. All year round, we only remember and talk about the wonderful birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, if that were the case, Christianity, what we believe, what we uphold to be true, what we stand by, would be quite acceptable to the wider society, wouldn't it? If that's all we say, if that's all we talk about all year round, the birth of Jesus. I mean, it's the birth of a baby. Of course I want to hear about that. It's inoffensive. It's a cute heartwarming story about the birth of a baby. But you know what? The baby grew up. The baby grew up. Little cute baby Jesus grew up. He did not remain in a manger. He grew up. The things he went on teaching, the things he went on doing, the things he went on claiming were in a sense making the most offensive person who ever lived in the whole history of mankind. Just think about his claims. Think about the claims of this baby who grew up to be this man, Jesus Christ. He claimed, I have the power of God. He claimed, I have the authority of God. He claimed, I do what God wants me to do. I do everything God wants me to do. I can forgive sins. Imagine that claim. That's offensive. I can raise the dead. Imagine that claim. I am the son of God. Imagine that claim. And he goes on to say, if you... Believe in me and no one else. If you give your full allegiance to me and no one else, 
utter, complete, full allegiance to me and no one else, then you get eternal life. I mean, this baby Jesus grew up to make these claims. That's offensive, isn't it? That he is the focus of life, eternal life, happiness. That is offensive. And so I wonder how many of us wish that the Christmas story is all that we're on about all year round. But you see, we can't. We can't, can we? Even at Christmas time, we can't just remember his birth. There is more to that because the baby Jesus grew up. You see, there is more to the Christmas story than just his birth. And so what more is there? What more is there to the Christmas story? What is it that we're celebrating during this time? Well, we actually saw a bit of that during the play, didn't we? It was done really well. The purpose of Christmas was for Easter to happen. The purpose of Christmas was for Easter to happen. Christmas and Easter are connected. That's a strange idea. Christmas and Easter are connected. The baby Jesus was born so that he might die. That's a strange idea. What a weird idea. But that's the case. But why would it be so? How is it that Christmas and Easter are connected? Well, we're going to look at our verse that was read out. John chapter 3, verse 16, perhaps the most famous of the Bible verses. And so let's have a look at this verse. So why did Jesus come? Why would the Son of God enter into human history, leave heaven, leave his glory, enter into human history? Well, the first thing I want you to remember this morning is that Jesus is God's gift to us. Jesus is God's gift to us. That's why he was born. And so in our verse, we were... We actually see this. God, he gave his one and only son. Jesus is God's gift to us. You see, at Christmas time, we've got this tradition that you would give gifts to family and friends. It's a very nice and loving tradition. I'm still wondering what Yvonne would get for me. I, have, I haven't hinted or have I? I don't know. But, but this tradition of giving gifts, it actually all stems from the greatest gift of all. And that is God's gift to us in giving us his son, in giving us his very own son. God's gift to us at Christmas time is Jesus Christ to all mankind, all humankind, all of us. But then what does it mean for Jesus to be God's gift to us? Again, that's a strange idea. What would you give a person? Well, we've heard in the play that there is this heart problem with all humankind. There is the problem of the heart that we all have. And the problem is a a, a dirty word. It's a problem of sin. I mean, we don't like to use that word, but what that actually just means is that the problem that we all have is a problem of the heart which is against God. A heart that is in rebellion against God. A heart that does not know God. A heart that does not love God wholeheartedly. And that is sin. That is sin. A heart that does not know God, love God wholeheartedly. But now I wonder how many of us will be thinking this morning, I mean, that's hard to believe that I have that problem, that I have such a hard problem against God. But now just so you get an understanding of this problem which we all have, the problem of the human heart, what that is like, and also what the human heart is capable of, I'd like to share with you this this true story. Now, now do you remember what happened on the 15th of April 
1912. Some of us might have been around. Anyone remember? 15th of April 1912. Well, it was when the White Star Liner Titanic sank in the North Atlantic Ocean. That was the night. Now, Walter Lord, in his book, he did his research, in his book, A Night to Remember, he recorded that on that famous night, there were the extremes of human behaviours. On one side, there was, there was the beauties of sacrificial love, men offering their place on the lifeboat to women. Beautiful act of sacrifice. But then on the other extreme, you have this selfish, callous, um, cowardly, action by these people. Now let me share a bit about that. After the Titanic went down, the lifeboats, they were all spread across the icy waters. And we read of this story of self-serving cowardice. Get this. There were 1,600 people who were not able to get on the lifeboats. Only 13 were picked up by the 18 half-empty boats that hovered nearby. 1,600 people everywhere in the icy waters, only 13 were picked up. Why is that? Well, what happened? Well, in boat number five, when third officer Pittman, he heard the angry cries, he turned his boat around and he shouted, men, let's get to them, let's get to the shipwreck and save as many as we can. But do you know what those on boat number five said? They said, why should we lose our lives in the useless attempt to save others from the ship? That was their response. Pittman gave in. And for the next hour, boat number five, with only 40 on board, the, the boat had capacity for 65. They could have fit another 25. With only 40 on board, they gently went away, drifted along the Atlantic, and as they listened to the fading cries of those drowning, not too far away. Hard to imagine, isn't it? That's one of the boats... But the story is, in fact, not so much different with the other boats. Boat number two, fourth officer Boxhill, he asked the ladies, shall we go back? What was their response? They said no. And so boat number two, only 60% full. Likewise, they drifted as they heard the people drowning. This is the condition of the human heart. Boat number six, the situation was a bit reverse. As the women, they beg, they beg their quartermaster, Hinchins, to return. But he refused. He, he painted a vivid picture of the drowning, overturning their boat, and so killing them as well. And so their pleading continued, but the cries continued to go fewer and fewer, and no one was saved. Of the 18 boats, 18 lifeboats, they were not full, scattered around the icy waters, only one boat returned. Only boat number 14 returned to help. And, and this was only after an, an hour the ship has sunk. The thrashing crowd had thinned out already. Only an, after, an hour after, boat 14 returned. It gives us a picture. It's a terrible picture, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I wonder if this story shows us something that is so real about this world. It shows us something that is horribly wrong with this world. There is a heart problem. You see, there's, there's not just a heart problem that is against God, the problem of sin. But this parable also, this story also serves like a, a parable of how humanity was sort of drifting aimlessly, lifelessly, hopelessly, helplessly 
unable to save ourselves, unable to save anyone around us. And so that's why Jesus is the gift from God to us. Jesus was God's gift to us that first Christmas by dealing with our problem of sin that first Easter. You see the connection? By dying on the cross, Jesus Christ takes away our sin, deals with our problem, the problem of the human heart, and so he rescues us from drifting aimlessly in this world that has gone terribly wrong. And so firstly, Jesus is God's gift to us. Now secondly, why would God do such a thing? Why would God give his son for us? I mean, I wouldn't give any of my three kids to any of you. I mean, that might sound harsh, but I love them dearly. I would give my life for them, in fact. So why would God do that? Well, the second thing I want you to remember this morning is that God gave his son as a gift to us and it was born out of God's love for us. And that's what we see in this verse. You see, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Now, we need to understand here that the word world is a word that is against God. Remember, that's the problem of the human heart. The whole world is against God. The whole world is in rebellion against God. And we all claim, I'm the master of my life. I'm the Lord of my destiny. And we, we shake our puny fists at God. Stay away from me. You see, this is the world that is against God. This is a world that does not deserve anything from God. But yet we see here the extent of God's love. For God so loved this world that is against him. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is unconditional. It is gracious. It is free. It is so different to Santa Claus's love. I mean, Santa Claus, he loves you if, you're done, if you do good. He weighs you up, whether you've done more good than bad. God's love is sacrificial. It is unconditional. It is free. It is gracious. God loves us to this extent. So why did God send Jesus? Well, he was born out of God's love for us. So what we've seen, Jesus is God's gift to us, for us, and he's born out of God's love for us. And now finally, for what purpose does God love us? Why does God love us? What is his purpose? Well, number three, and that is, it is for our salvation. Jesus is God's gift for us, born out of God's love for us, and it is for our salvation. It is to rescue us. It is to give us life, eternal life, life that goes beyond the grave. Even though I die, I continue to live with God in heaven. That is the promise, that is the offer. And we see that in this last bit that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, life forever with God in heaven. That is the offer. And so Jesus here becomes the focal point of having eternal life. Jesus here becomes the focal point of entering into heaven. Jesus becomes the focal point of, of having a relationship with God the Father. And so he is the one we must believe in, as this verse says. He becomes the focus and so you can understand why the claims of Jesus can be so offensive. He's claiming he is the only hope for your life. He is the only saviour of your life. He is the only one who can die for you. He is the only one who would and did die for you. That is the claim. And we also see here the connection between 
Christmas and Easter. You can't have one without the other. There's no point in Jesus coming on earth without him dying for us as well. You can't separate the two, you see. And so the three points, Jesus is God's gift for us, born out of God's love for us, and it is for our salvation. And so, do you ever wish that we could just have Christmas all year round? Well, in a sense, we can. In a sense, we can. But it's not just a a Christmas about a cute little baby wrapped in a manger. We're remembering Christmas as it's meant to be remembered, that Jesus is God's great gift for us, who came for us. And when we remember that Jesus is God's gift for us, we're also remembering Easter, that Jesus, out of God's great love, came to die for us. Now, the story of the Titanic I shared before, it was full of selfish cowardice. Quite a sad story, isn't it? But this, in, in fact, a response that was quite different to that on the night. Now, it was claimed, it's only claimed, that just before the Titanic sank, the last song that the band on the Titanic played was the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee. Perhaps the band played this because the band understood Christmas. The band played this hymn perhaps because they understood Easter. They understood God's love for them. They understood Jesus as God's gift for them. They understood God's promise of eternal life for them. And so they played that hymn as that ship was sinking. Perhaps that was the case. Now we will never know. We don't know what they believe. We won't ever know, perhaps. But either way, listen to one of the verses from this hymn, the last verse. This is my Father's home, safe and at rest. This is my Saviour's love, perfectly blessed. Age after age to thee, nearer my God to thee. You see, as the ship was going down, the band was playing this song, this hymn, they had this confidence that even though they might die, it will not separate God's love from them. This is the Christmas story. This is the Easter story. And so let me end by asking you, what is your story this Christmas? Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your clear teaching, for making it known to us that Jesus is your gift to us, born out of your love for us, and it is for our salvation. And so we pray that you'll work in all our hearts to respond accordingly. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.